Well, we are uh, in a sermon series called Unboxed, and it's finding the joy during this holiday season. And in this, in this Christmas story, there's so many places where we experience joy and, and excitement and happiness and fulfillment. And so the first week, Fran kicked it off, and she looked at some of the Old Testament promises that were made concerning the birth of Christ and this gift of salvation that comes from a loving creator, a heavenly father who desires that relationship with us. So um, some of those prophecies, like during the time of Isaiah, were 700 years before the time that it was fulfilled in human history because God waited for the right time in human history to send forth his son. So the second week, as Griff last week talked about, there's joy in waiting. Uh, We had to wait 700 years from the time Isaiah made the proclamation uh, and the the prophecies about Jesus to the time when God said, okay, now's the right time in human history to do that. And so Griff actually looked at um, the birth of John the Baptist and how John the Baptist, his father, had to wait uh, because he couldn't speak. And if you weren't here last week, it was a great sermon. You can go online and, and watch it. Uh, Griff did a fantastic job. But this idea of waiting, it's tough, isn't it, to wait for something you want, to wait for something you're excited about. Uh, back to Ellie. So Mary's due date was December the 5th. So Fran was so excited and wanted to see Ellie so much during Thanksgiving. She said, Mark, there's a lot of things going on that I don't have to be present for isn't that right since you're the senior pastor and you're my boss and I was like yeah honey you can you can go so anyway she went out for the whole week of Thanksgiving to to be with Mary uh, because she was waiting for Ellie she was anticipating the birth of of our second granddaughter and so uh, this idea of waiting can be difficult uh, but there's joy in that when you know there is this promise and the first week uh, we can have joy because God is true to his promises And the second week, as we wait, there is joy, even in the waiting, even in the anticipation of something good coming. There can be joy that we experience because of who God is. And this week, we want to look at something that uh, happened with the shepherds. And if you know the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, the shepherds, to me, are one of the favorite parts, one of my favorite parts of of this wonderful truth that happened. So uh, I'm going to start reading, and you've got it in your bulletin in verse 10 uh, in just a minute, but I'm going to give you some backdrop. So uh, the very first part of chapter 2, you see uh, the fact that there's a census taken, uh, and so all of the Jewish men and women have to go and register where they uh, have their lineage, where their family is from, and so Joseph uh, was from the, 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 the family of David, and so he went to Bethlehem to register, and, and, and uh, Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Uh, And so uh, we find out that they go and there's no room because everybody's gone to Bethlehem that were a part of the the family of David. And so there's just so many people there. Uh, And they end up uh, being there when Mary's about to give birth to to Jesus. And so she does. And and he's born and he's he's in a stable where all the animals are. And they they put him in a manger, which is a feeding trough. And so uh, that's where he is. That's his crib. That's his cradle. Uh, was a place where they put hay for animals to eat out of. And so uh, very humble beginnings. But as Jesus is being born, it says that in the same region, verse 8 of chapter 2, there's some shepherds out watching their sheep, uh, the flock by night. So it's nighttime, and the shepherds are out there watching their sheep. Now, we don't know how many they have, but they're shepherds, which means there's several, which implies there's a large number of sheep. So if you're just one shepherd, you probably have maybe 15, 20, maybe 40, maybe even 50. But if you've got multiple shepherds, then that means there's a lot of sheep these guys are taking care of. 
And so there's lots of things that the shepherds do to care for the sheep. Psalm 23 is a wonderful psalm, and David writes this psalm because he was a shepherd, and he explains how God relates to him, but almost how a shepherd relates to a sheep, and how we, as God's sheep, can understand how God cares for us by looking at how shepherds care for sheep. So some of the things these shepherds were doing, they were taking them to a place where they could get water. And uh, Psalm 23 talks about quiet waters, still waters. And there's a man that talks about that in his book uh, about Psalm 23. And he said, sheep don't like to drink from moving, running water. They don't like to go to a stream that's bubbling. And they, they, it makes them nervous. But when the water is quiet, when there's not a lot of rapids and things like that in the, in the creek, when it's a pond or a pool, they're at peace. So quiet waters, still waters. It takes you to a place where you can have green pastures, where there's nourishing food, where there's things for the sheep to eat. So God's going to provide for us that which nourishes not only our physical body, but our soul. Anointing the head with oil. There's lots of things that we understand from the Old Testament about anointing with oil. But the sheep, the shepherd would anoint with oil to help get the bugs that were in their ears and all the things that were in their their wool out. It helps clean the wool, helps, you know, get the little briars and things like that. And if the bugs have been eating them or if they've got a cut, there was these different types of oil they would use to anoint the sheep and physical bodies as well, human bodies, to help in the healing process. So the shepherd, every shepherd's going to examine the sheep, make sure they're doing well, check their ears, check their eyes, make sure they didn't get scratched up going through the briars to get something to eat, those types of things. And they're going to anoint their head with oil. And the idea, there's so many things in Psalm 23 that help us understand this loving God that we have, but also from the shepherd-sheep relationship. So these shepherds out there, they're nurturing the sheep, they're caring for the sheep, they're providing for the sheep, the rod and the staff that David mentioned. They have a staff, and that kind of helps them get in line. The rod was used also to discipline the sheep. If the sheep was going to wander away, they would tap them and get them back in. Uh, they also had like a throwing stick, and they would throw it and hit, hit the sheep, and the sheep would get back into the herd. Uh, sometimes discipline is a painful thing, amen? And so, so God disciplines us like a shepherd does the sheep to keep them from straying, which could possibly be fatal to the sheep. If the sheep strays from the herd or from the, the group, then a, an animal could pick them off, a wolf maybe. David talks about killing a lion and a bear. Do you remember when David is about to kill Goliath and, and Saul is going to give him his armor? And David says, hey, listen, you know, I can't wear this. This is just too big for me. But one time a bear was coming after the sheep and God gave me the strength to kill the bear. And then another time a lion came to kill the sheep and God gave me the strength to kill the lion. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be the same as the lion and the bear because God is going to be the one that's going to prevail. Not me, but God. So, so this idea of protecting the sheep either from a lion or from a bear or from them wandering away because some, something's going to get them. It could be a wolf. So these men, these shepherds were out there. Sometimes you had female shepherds. In the Old Testament, you see there were some of the, there were shepherdess. So there was, you know, times when, when the girls got, got to do that and it's not the most prestigious job. But anyway, so there were great female shepherds as well. Well, anyway, so these shepherds are out there watching the sheep, and they're hanging out. Now, they've got a fire keeping themselves warm, and there's probably somebody doing a parole, checking the sheep, uh, making sure everybody's fine. 
And they're probably talking about all kind of stuff, you know. And, and sometimes shepherds would name the sheep. And so, they, you know, I would name one of them Skillet Jones. So I would probably say, hey, have you seen Skillet Jones? Is it okay? You know, I know he got his foot caught. And, you know, so the shepherds are probably talking about the different sheep. And they've probably named them. So, they, you know, they're asking about Skillet Jones here. They're asking about the others, you know, that kind of thing. Checking out, you know, where's some good, good pasture we can take them to tomorrow. There's all kind of things these guys are talking about. Sometimes they told jokes, I'm sure. Hopefully they weren't dirty jokes, but, you know, they probably were telling jokes. They are probably just hanging out. They are probably talking about what they're going to have in the morning or who's going to do whatever it's going to do. To There's all kind of life experiences. They were, they, were just going, they were just living their normal life, and they were taking care of the sheep. Then it gets real interesting. Verse 9, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So the guys are just hanging out. They're just by the fire. And all of a sudden, this angel appears to them out of nowhere. Now, last week, Griff talked about the fact that every time an angel appears, usually in the scriptures, the first thing the people do, they're terrified, right? Because there's this angelic being in the presence of God, the glory of God's on this angel. And, and, and sometimes they're majestic in the sense that they're, they're huge creatures. They're creations of God. And so, and so you don't see these in everyday life. Many times the angel has to say, get up, you know, because they've, the folks that have encountered angels have fallen on their face in humility and, and, and just, you know, just Lord, you know, that kind of thing. And so these guys are scared to death. You would be too. I would be too. I mean, if an angel appears to us, we're just hanging out by a campfire taking care of sheep. And all of a sudden this angel appears, they're afraid. Now, this is where we start off with the scripture from our, our bulletin. Verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people for today in the city of David. And we know that's Bethlehem. There's been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, that's not something you'll find every day. So that's why it was a sign. You don't just, you don't, if you're going to look for a baby, you don't look for a baby in a manger. So that's where you're going to find the baby. Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angel. So not only is there one angel appearing to them talking to him, but a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Woo! How many of you guys would want to be right there during that time? Come on, raise your hand. Would you like to be one of those? I would. Oh, my gosh. You're hanging out. You know, you're talking. You're having a good time, I, you know, finding out about Skillet Jones. And all of a sudden, there's an angel appearing to you. You're freaking out. You're afraid. But then he says, hey, don't be afraid. Everything's cool. You know, I've got good news for you of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. So it's good news, great joy for everybody, not just an exclusive few, for everybody. And here's the good news. There's been a baby born. Well, that's exciting for the family. You know, yeah, of course, you, I've been talking about Ellie all morning. That's exciting for the family. But for all the people, why would everybody be excited about a, a child being born? Here's why. The type of child this is. He is born for you. So this baby was not just born for the family. Yes, he was, Mary, Joseph. This baby, shepherds, this baby, folks, he is born for you. 
Jesus came for every one of us. And the shepherds are listening to this thinking, for me? This baby that's born, I have a part in this celebration. He's born for me. And he's born for me because he is my Savior. Whoa, that freaks them out. Savior, what am I need to be saved from? And there's lots of things we need to be saved from. We'll unpack that in a minute. A Savior. And then it says, who is Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord, big L, sovereign, God, almighty. This baby who's born, this good news I'm sharing with you is for everybody. And this baby who is born is going to be the savior of everybody, all, every, the multitude of all of humankind. And he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, and he's God Almighty. Their minds were just blown. That is the craziest, wildest, most exciting news these guys have ever heard. And an angel tells them the news. It's not like a shepherd from seven pastures over walks over and says, hey, you got any more beanie weenies, man? We ran out. By the way, newsflash, there's something cool happening on, you know, you know, 10th Street down there in Bethlehem. No, that would have been okay, right? But an angel They'd never seen an angel before because it didn't say, oh, yeah, you, you look like Gabriel or you look like Michael. Or, no. Wow. Now, not only was that amazing, then the next thing that happens, I mean, oh, gosh. He, he tells them where to find him. You're going to find this baby down in Bethlehem, and he's wrapped in cloths. Now, some scholars say what that cloth was was not some, like Fran bought this really cool thing that wraps up a baby and you got the Velcro and it's a snuggle kind of deal thing. And, you know, it's really, you know, it was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I said, honey, how much that cost? She goes, you don't want to know. So I was like, was it like $55? She goes, yeah, about $55. I was like, oh, it's just a cloth, but it, has, it wraps them up and it's real soft and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so anyway, um, there's nothing too good for a grandchild. But the bottom line is... <laughs> You know, just put her in a blanket. You know. so, but, but scholars say uh, you can infer that these, the cloth that it's wrapped in is not that real nice Velcro kind, but it was the same type of strips of cloth that were used when you bury the dead. The strips of cloth, it was that same kind. So why would you put an infant in those types of wrappings and put them not in a bassinet, not in a cradle, but in a feeding trough? So you got some pretty good clues that, you know, you might come across 10 kids, but this is the only one that meets that description. So they knew exactly where to go or know exactly where to look for. So let me jump on. So once all this wonderful news is, is spoken and these guys are like, oh, whoa, then, as you might remember, I just read and you know from the story, suddenly there appeared with the angel. Okay, now you got the angel. He's doing all the talking and they're like, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Now we've talked about multitudes before. Remember when I've talked about the word multitude, sometimes it's describing the 4,000 men that were fed. We don't know how many women and children. Sometimes the word multitude was used describing the 5,000 men that Jesus fed and the women and the children. You're not talking about 15 people. Okay. We got a great praise band up here. And if they were singing glory to God, that would be okay. But it's a multitude of heavenly hosts, not 50, 
not a hundred. My guess, based on how that word is used, there were thousands. 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 Think about when you went to a football game this fall, and you're in a stadium. And if you went to a college game, a larger stadium than maybe a high school stadium, and if you went to a Division I school, you might have had up to 80, 90, 100,000 folks. It's there. That might not be far off from what Luke is telling us that these shepherds experienced. When Jesus said, I could call down from heaven and angels could come and take care of me when he was arrested, you're talking about myriads Almost 150,000 angels that Jesus could say right now, hey, Father, I need them. And he's got almost 150,000 angels. Just like that. No big deal. Remember the Old Testament prophet? He's surrounded by this enemy army, and his servant is freaking out. And he's saying, we're going to die. And he said, no, there's more with us than those who are against us. And he basically said, Lord, let him see into the spiritual world, into that realm of the unseen that is just as real as the physical realm that we experience. And the, and the servant looked, and all on the hilltops, all around the mountains, were the heavenly host, the army of God, protecting this prophet and his servant. And if that servant story could have been written more in that Old Testament. He would have said, we ain't got nothing to worry about. Man, we got all of those angels around us. I mean, just like that. And so what we have here is a multitude of heavenly hosts singing and praising God. The resounding sound of those angelic voices. They had to have chill bumps. I don't know if they were bald like me, but I bet every hair on their head was standing straight up. I bet they were just in awe of what they were hearing. The heavenly voices praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. So God is receiving the praise. And then he says, you know what? On earth where you guys live, there's going to be peace with those who are well-pleasing to God. Man, the shepherds are just, they're jazzed up. They are revved up. I mean, I bet they could, they could just float down to Bethlehem. And then as soon as they finished saying that, this wonderful experience they had was over. And I love what the shepherds did not do. They didn't go back sitting down, poking the fire, going, hey, you got another log you can put on here? You know, what, what, what happened to Skillet Jones? They were changed forever. And I think you and I would be too. Having that kind of experience, they went down to Bethlehem in haste. And they searched and they searched and they searched until they found what the angels said they would find. And when they found this baby and his mother and his father, they related what had happened to them. Now, you can remember, Joseph had an angel appear to him and say, listen, Mary's pregnant, but no, no guy was fooling around with Mary. This is something God's doing, and you need to understand this is bigger than you. 
God put that baby in her womb. She hadn't been fooling around. She's a virgin, and it's a miracle, miracle birth. This baby is going to be the Savior of the world. And he's like, yes, sir. An angel appears to Mary and says, hey, God has favored you. And God is going to allow you to bear a son. And he's going to, you need to name him Jesus. He is God Almighty, Emmanuel, God in human form. And she's like, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. So when Mary and Joseph, who've had these experiences in their life, in their world turned upside down, hear these shepherds coming in. Now, I know those guys didn't come in going, uh, sorry to bother you, but you, you got a second? I'd like, to, I'd like to share something with you. I think they were polite. But, man, I think they came busting in there going, that's the baby. That's the one. That's the one. That is the one. That is the one. He's in a manger. He's in a, I, mean, I, I bet they were so excited. I bet they were. I mean, because they'd seen a multitude of angels. They had an angel talk to them. And, and they probably said, Dad, you're not going to believe what this angel said about your boy. He's going to be the Savior of the world. He's the anointed one. He is God Almighty. And Joseph was probably going to say, I knew that already. No, I don't know what Joseph said. But, but the bottom line is, man, these guys were so pumped. They were so excited because of what they had experienced and the message that they had to tell to everyone. I've got good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. So this news that the shepherds had, they could tell everybody. But they wanted to see firsthand this baby that the angel announced was here. Oh, my gosh. And the storyline this morning is we can have joy because Jesus is here. He's here. Now, these guys got to see him right after he was born. And they got an announcement from an angel and a heavenly band, and that was awesome. But you and I can have that same excitement that Jesus is alive because he's real and he lives in our hearts. And by faith, we can know him and we can have that same excitement and desire to go tell it on the mountain. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is born, that he's alive and he loves you and he has come to be our savior. Now, what does that mean for you and me? It means so many things. I want to pack just a few things. The first thing it means is that he saves me from my sin. All of us have messed up. All of us have done things wrong. All of us have, 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 have just, just fallen short of what we need to do. And Jesus came that he might save us from that sin. That lifestyle of destruction, that way of living that is corrosive, those habits that just tear us up and tear families apart and tear relationships up. He saves us from the, the negative repercussions of that and the guilt and the sin that the result of that is death, eternal separation from God. But he saves us from that. And he saves us from that by taking the punishment for our sin on the cross himself. And when you and I trust in him, when you and I believe in him and put the whole weight of our trust in him, not on our good works, but on what Jesus did for us, our sins are forgiven and we are saved from the punishment of that sin, what it's going to cost us because of what we did. 
And we talked about this when we talked about the good news. Jesus came for, when we talked about apprenticeship, that whole sermon series. And in the sermon that we talked about, that Jesus came proclaiming the good news and we unpacked the good news. We talked about all of this. So if you were there, then this is kind of a reminder. If you want, this is a part of that same message. But the idea that, that you and I are saved from our sins. And so when we become a Christ follower, when Jesus lives in our life, the sin that we committed in the, in the past, we don't want to do anymore. Because the Bible says that he takes us from the kingdom of darkness. We were living in darkness. We, not because we didn't have lights, but spiritually. And what it was doing to us in our soul was dark. We were in bondage. To, we were slaves. And when Jesus came, being part of this idea of him, the understanding of him being our Savior, is that he puts us in the kingdom of light. From darkness into light. From being a slave to being free. And you and I can walk in newness of life. The old things are passed away. That old sinful nature that you have, the old selfishness that was a part of who we are, the darkness we lived in, our soul just being at, just at unrest. We're saved from that. And so from that day forward, once you give your life to Christ, you and I can walk in newness of life. We can walk free from the bondage of sin. We don't have to sin anymore. That's why 1 John says, if you sin, not when you sin. So when you and I get right with Christ and he becomes our savior, the power of sin and death is broken in our lives. This is something to shout about. The power of sin is broken. It's broken. He breaks the power of canceled sin, the hymn says. And so the, the power that keeps us living in sin is no longer binding to us. You don't have to sin. Say, Mark, well, what's blowing my mind? Yeah, you and I, we don't have to sin anymore. He saves us from that, breaks that power that was controlling us, and we are free to walk in the newness of life. So you and I choose to sin, which is not good. So if we sin, we can go to God, we can ask for forgiveness, we can repent of that sin, he can cleanse us, and we can walk in newness of life. And so then when we're tempted to sin, we say no to sin and yes to God. And the reason we can say no to sin and say, no, I'm not going to do that is because the power of that sin that makes us sin, that draws us to that lifestyle, habit, whatever it might be, has no bearing on you anymore, has no power, no pull. That chain that had you bound that you couldn't break free from, guess what? In Christ, he's our Savior. It's no longer there. We don't have a chain. We're not a slave. We're free. So you can love and you can laugh and you can have joy and you can serve others with a, a good attitude. And when someone does you wrong, you, you and I can forgive. We can pray for our enemies. We can love those who persecute us. We are able to do that. And God gives us the ability to do it, wants us to do it, and, and it requires us to do it. Amen? But before Jesus is our Savior, we, we, we can't. We get a case of the do-betters. Oh, I'm going to do better. And then we fall right back into it. I'm going to do better. I'm going to fall. But the power of sin controlled us. But Jesus being our Savior, it's It's broken. You and I are free. Isn't that exciting? He's our Savior. Another thing that, and, and part of that same thing, he says, I come to destroy the works of the devil. And what Satan came to do was to steal and to kill and to destroy us. But the power of, of darkness is broken in our life, and we are free to live in the light. We're no longer captive to sin. 
Another thing, him being our Savior, it says, and, and peace on earth with all to whom he's pleased. Man, we can live in peace. It's a great gift that God gives us. And we've talked about this before. But the first peace that happens is a reconciliation between us and God. We were enemies of God. We were hostile toward God because of the sin that we've committed. And God, through Christ, reconciles us, and we have peace with God. And so because we have peace with our Creator, then we can have peace in our heart. And when we're all alone, and there's no music playing and nobody to talk to us, and we're all by ourselves, we can be at peace. We don't have negative conversations going on in our head. We don't have, we're not listening to lies. We can be at peace, at perfect peace in our hearts, inside, because we're at peace with the God who created us. And that's a great gift. There's no turmoil inside of your heart. There's no, there's no tension inside of your, in, 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 your in, in what's going on inside. We're at peace. So it doesn't matter what happens because God is in control and we have peace with him. Then, we can live in peace with others. The writer of the book of Romans says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone because it can depend on us. So we treat people the way we want to be treated. And if someone is hostile toward us because the sin is broken in our life, where we don't have to retaliate with more intensity. We can be at peace. We can have joy. Proverbs says that heaps hot coals on their heads. It just infuriates somebody. Somebody tries to get your goat and, you don't, and you're just chill and you're not going to let it. it, it it's just like heaping coals on their head. It's not a good thing for them. You don't do it to get, get at them, but that's just a byproduct. But you can be at peace with folks even when they're not at peace with you. Isn't that powerful? But it's because he's our Savior and God of heaven says, peace on earth with those in whom he's well pleased. Peace between us and God, peace in our life, and peace as far as it depends on us with everyone. And those that aren't peaceful, what are we doing? We're praying for them. What are we doing? We're living a life, we're modeling being at peace. So they're convicted, they're shown the way. They're, they, all these things that God can do with us, all because... God came in flesh and dwelt among us. Whew. Glory to God in the highest, the angel said. So we can have joy because Jesus came.